more points online. We are honored that you're joining us today. And if God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org slash my story. It's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. And if you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option, or you can download our app and choose to get there as well. We are so excited to hear a powerful message from God's word today. Let me tell you what I'm excited about. I get excited anytime that I get to preach, but whenever I get to talk about culture and what I believe Jesus came to do, I get extra excited. And so I'm a little bit extra excited this morning to preach on this topic of counterculture. So I just want to say, as we're getting started, how honored we are. If you're a guest with us today, Four Points, are we excited to have our guests with us? Come on. We're excited if you decided to come join us. We're excited that all of you are here. And I just want to kind of tell you a little bit about the series as we're getting started, because for the next four weeks, we're going to do this series called Counterculture. And what the series is about is about the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you're not familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, it's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the book of Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7. And here's the deal with it. Here's the deal with it. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it as we crank up with the, with the text, excuse me. But if you're a church person or you've been in church, you probably like the Sermon on the Mount. You probably say like I do, that's awesome, and I want to do that. Like, I want to do what Jesus taught. But the truth is, it's extreme. It's over the top. As a matter of fact, if you read it and you'll really read it and not just say, man, that was a good devotion time, you'll say to yourself, I love how that sounds, but I can't do that. And the reality is, you're right. We can't do it. It's an impossibility until we understand what God actually called us to do. Because God didn't call you to be perfect, but he put perfect in you in the name of Jesus. He saved you with perfection. And so here's the deal. For the Christians in the room, this is extreme, but it's awesome. And the reason that I love it is because everybody loves the thought of changing the culture. Everybody loves the thought of, I wish somebody would come along and change the culture. But we got to know what it is in order to change it. And that's what we're going to look at for the next few weeks. So simply, culture is the behaviors and the language that define who we are. It's the, it's the set of behaviors. It's, it's, what, it's what we do. So here's the deal. Let me, let me just help you a little bit with this. A lot of people say, I would like for my culture to be fill in the blank, but just because you would like for your culture to be something, I don't know if y'all know this, but y'all are allowed to talk to me in here. Just because you want your culture to be something doesn't mean your culture is something. Are you with me? So like we look across the room, we look across our lives, and maybe more importantly, we look in our homes and we say, man, I wish my kids would, and then we say what we wish the culture was. But when we look at the behaviors and the language of our home, it, it counteracts with what we say we wish that it was. Therefore, we create the culture even if we don't mean to. I don't know if more than one person's with me, but <laughs> appreciate Miss Rhonda tracking with me right now. So let me give you an example. Like in my house, we tell our kids that our culture is to do your best. We want you to do your very best. Do your best for the Lord. Do your very best. Try your very best. But then if, if my daughter brings home straight A's and I reward that, but she brings home A's and B's and I do not reward that, guess what? I've not made a culture of do your best. My behaviors say that my culture is straight A's gets the reward because what gets rewarded gets repeated. 
And so what I'm telling her is, with my mouth, I want you to do your best. But what I'm showing them is, straight A's, is what I believe is your best. So if you don't get what I think is the best, I'm not going to reward you for trying your hardest. Well, I've said what I want it to be, but I've done something that's totally different. And the problem with culture is this. We love the thought of changing it. We love the thought of what it should be. But we do the polar opposite many times of what we should be doing. Because it's awkward and it's weird. And it's over the top, and it's, it's hard to do. And, and the way that culture changes is this. you got to understand what culture really is, is there's culture in this world. And Hollywood spends a bunch of money figuring out what you like, and, and they figure it out and they do it, right? And then they figure out what will make you want to buy their product because I've got to be in line with the culture. Last night, Lee and I went to Greenville, and we went to PacSun because I look like PacSun, don't I? I don't know if y'all know that story. <laughs> I know when y'all look at me, y'all think, dude is a pack sun guy. They had these capri pants for dudes, y'all. <clears throat> That's also what I look like. And these were plaid pants. That the good news is the biggest size they have in there is like not close to me. So <laughs> like, we're, we're okay. But they had these plaid pants, plaid, with this black racing stripe down each side, and they stopped here on purpose. And I'm looking at them going, this is on purpose what people... This is the behavior that people are wanting to do on purpose. And they're paying good money for these clothes. And then with it, you wear like a shirt that matches it. And there were like flowery pants and flowery shirts. And I thought to myself, <laughs> this isn't like dress weird day. This is what we wear day. And somebody thought it was a good idea. So I, I noticed this. I got on. Y'all don't have to like him or dislike him, but I got on uh, Biebs, Justin Bieber. Some of y'all are like, who's Justin Bieber? Get with it. No, I'm just kidding. So I looked on his uh, Instagram page, and yesterday, yesterday, he was wearing this flowery shirt with, with the same color. I think they were like jortsy things and like rolled up, same color flowery pants and unbuttoned. And I'm, we're not even going there, y'all, the unbuttoned thing because there's some stuff. Anyway, and I'm watching, and I'm doing this, I'm doing this. He's willing to do whatever because he thinks this looks good, I guess. And, and, and so his behavior is showing what the next trend is going to be. And there's a bunch of people, maybe not in the upstate of South Carolina to God be the glory, but there's a bunch of people that will do that because they begin to set the trends. They set the behaviors. And, and this is why what I told you about Beebs is so important because if we want to change the culture and we want to see it change, somebody's got to go say the word first. And so right now, I'm making fun of what that looks like. And I'm here to tell you that if it catches, and some of them don't. Some of the fads don't catch. But if they catch, then two years from now when everybody's wearing it, I'm no longer standing on a stage saying, I'm not wearing them capri pants looking things weird, plaid with racing stripes, capri pant, this and that. Everybody's wearing them because somebody went first. And now, if you're like me, you don't care. Like, I really don't care what the fads are. I should probably, but... I got excited when the fad was to wear basketball shoes, and I've just stuck with it. So I hope it comes back around, everybody. Hope, or, or maybe it's still good. But, but there's some things that we should care about going first. There's some things that should matter to us about going first. I thought of a couple things when, when we were working on this message in this series. I thought about a couple things about going first and changing culture. Because if you're willing to go first, listen to me. You're immediately willing to be misunderstood. 
Because if you swim against what everybody says you should be because there's a better culture out there that you believe that can be created, the majority of people, not some of the people, listen to me, the majority of the people are going to look at you and say, you're wrong. I disagree with you. Why is that? Why do people do that? It's because they're not used to it. They've never been exposed to it, and so you're, you're taking them to a place that is uncomfortable. Let's give some examples. How about Colin Kaepernick? Some of y'all are like, who's Colin Kaepernick? The dude, the dude that did this during the national anthem. Now, I've got half of your attention right now because you're ready to stone me already. Because you're a generation older than me, and you've only been around white people your whole life. And here's the deal. Listen to me carefully what I'm saying. I'm not arguing that I agree with everything Cap did. I'm not, and I'm not going to. That's really not the point at all. What I've said since day one and what made a lot of people mad is I said, have you listened to him or are you just mad at him that he kneeled for a flag because some Navy SEALs told him it's better to kneel than to sit on a bench? But no, most people aren't willing to listen because somebody had to go first. And so we look and say, well, you've never served in the military, Mark. You've never been a police officer, Mark. You don't understand what it's like, and I don't understand. And I'm not even trying to understand what that's like. What I'm trying to do in that case is say, I don't have to agree with him to listen to what he's got to say. Because maybe he's got something to say that's not as hateful or, or offlandish or ridiculous as what maybe I grew up thinking. Maybe as an Anglo white man, maybe I don't understand what it's like to be a black man or Hispanic man or woman. And maybe if I could take just a second for the people that went first, I could listen because there was another guy that went first. I thought about this. And we celebrate him now, but let me just tell you, he was not celebrated by a lot of people. Fifty years ago, just recently, Dr. King passed away. Now, I'm just going to tell you, there's some people that are in this room that still struggle with him. And I don't argue that you have to agree with everything he said, but he went first. He went first. Because if you want to make a difference, if you're waiting on somebody else to go first, you just keep on waiting. Somebody's going to go first, and somebody's going to make a difference. And I don't know about y'all, but when I look out at society today, I look out and say, man, there's some people that need to go first. Because while there's certain people that are rising up and doing things that are, watch this, good things, I just believe the church should rise up and be the one to go first. If you're a part of God's church, if you're not a Christian here, I'm so pumped that you're here and we got a bunch for you today. But listen, let me talk to the church for just a minute, to the people that call themselves followers of Jesus. We sit idly by. God, I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about kneeling for a flag. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about the way that we raise our children. I'm talking about the way that we, that we live our lives that is counter to the culture that currently exists. Watch this. That, that is actually what Jesus taught when he came. But it's hard because people aren't doing it. People aren't doing what Jesus taught. They like to say what Jesus said and hope that that catches up when our actions do something totally different. And it's difficult. Here's what I find so fascinating about Jesus. This is what I find so awesome. Is Jesus, the Bible says this, Jesus did not come to abolish the law, meaning get rid of it. He actually came to raise the standard, to fulfill it, to take it to another level. And a lot of times we ask ourselves, why would he do something weird like that? Why would he take it to another level? If I can't meet the law 
at all, why would he take it to another level? And I believe there's an easy answer for that because he was fulfilling everything on the cross. He was taking all of our sin and, be, and it was being nailed to the cross in himself. And he wanted to change a mindset of a people, not just come make a new religion. He di we didn't need another religion on this world. We needed a savior. And Jesus came to save people and then and then the result of trusting him as Savior is that, is that we would no longer be the same, but we would shift something. Something would change. But here's the problem. When we read these commandments and these things that Jesus taught, we like them. We say, that's really good. But it's weird. And it's impossible. And I don't think I can do it. And Jesus started in this teaching that I'm going to start for you today in Matthew. And by the way, Matthew was such a cool character because he was one of the 12 disciples. But this dude was a tax collector. Nobody liked him. And Jesus said, come with me. And then he took what he watched Jesus do and he eyewitnessed it and then pinned it because the Lord led him to do it. And we're going to see his words when Jesus sat down on this mountain and the 12 disciples gathered around him and then this mass of people gathered behind him. And he gave these things called Beatitudes and then some other verses. And then you get down to verse 21, and then he starts messing with what you believe. This is what first people do. This is what, this is what it means to say, yeah, you've heard this, but somebody's got to go first in this. Type your neighbor and say, somebody's got to go first. Come on. Somebody's got to go first. Because today, the header, if you have a Bible in Matthew chapter 5, the header on your Bible will say anger. Will say anger. Some of y'all in here have real laid-back personalities like me. Wade's tracking. Or not for me. But some of y'all don't have explosive tempers. Can I just tell y'all something? <laughs> I do. So this one, <laughs> this one as much as any of them means a lot to me because I get the anger thing. I understand what it's like to... Um, Lose your cookies, if you know what I'm talking about. And so I don't necessarily like this one. As a matter of fact, I struggle with this one. Because I just want to look at Jesus and say, how come when you save me, you just didn't go, bam? And then it's fixed, right? Because I want to be fixed. I don't ever want to struggle again. I don't ever want to have to do this. But can I tell you all something? It's awesome that Jesus didn't do that because he healed my soul. He, he set me free. But he let me decide if I would follow each and every day or if I would do my own thing. And a lot of times I just love the teachings of Jesus, but I live a countercultural lifestyle watch to what he said and what he did. So I've accepted him as my Lord, but then I've walked out and denied him in what he actually called me to be. And so everybody say anger. Because this makes sense, right? When we read this, this makes sense. And we like things that make sense. Matthew 25 verse 21 says, you've heard it said by the people of old. So he's saying, listen, you've read this law before. This makes sense. We don't even need to read this. This is a dumb moment. You should not murder. Like everybody in here would go, yep. Can y'all say that with me? There's a pterodactyl in the hallway. Someone's losing their mind. I don't know what's happening. Someone say Murder. Thank y'all for overcoming the pterodactyl. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And like we, I read this and go, you think if you kill somebody, you're going to? Or you're going to die. Yeah, some of y'all got it. Don't be afraid. In this state, you will. 
And so all of us would say, I don't think there's anybody in here that would say, if someone commits murder and it's not war, they need to pay the piper. Like, they got to pay the penalty. And everybody in here is good with that. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus said, you know this. And we would say, we know this. But then he took it to another level because he said, that's not enough. That's not enough. That's not what I came to teach you. I didn't come to teach you what you already know. It's true. What you, watch this. I didn't come to teach you what you're comfortable with because comfortable doesn't change culture. Watch, he said, but I say in everyone who is angry, say angry, mm, with his brother will be liable to judgment. Angry. Huh. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, I'm going to help y'all with what you believe about this verse real quick, and then we're going to keep going. This verse does not say you go to hell if you say the word fool. I've been taught that growing up. That ain't true. Someone say, that ain't true. That ain't true. That's not what it says. The word is interesting because it actually means that the fire burning in hell will come inside of me and will just kind of live, all right? And so when, when you hear me say that, you're kind of like, that's weird. Until you've let anger stay in your heart. Watch this. Because a bunch of y'all know what I'm talking about right now. Have y'all ever said this? Have y'all ever said this? I don't know what's wrong with me, but I just got this rage inside of me and it's burning. Thank you, one person. Has anybody else not going to lie and say that you've experienced that before? Right? We've experienced it. I've looked at my wife before and I've said, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I want to rip their face off. (laughs) Help me, Lord Jesus. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Why am I feeling this way? Right? I should be feeling good. Jesus is supposed to come fix all my problems. I'm never supposed to feel bad anymore, but I got this fire burning inside of me. What's wrong with me? And this this, this is so interesting what Jesus taught if you break it down because what Jesus said is there is an anger that is a righteous anger. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, be angry and do not sin in Matthew 18. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And so the Bible doesn't say we can't get angry. The Bible says we can't let anger linger. I feel like Alanis Morissette right now. Do you have to let it linger? Some of y'all don't know who that is. Do you have to? I don't even know if that's Alanis Morissette, but I hope I got it right. Huh? I eat those. What are you talking about? We should have stuck with Alanis. Y'all mess with me. But like letting anger linger in our hearts is a totally different animal. And this is what I want to tell y'all. I don't do this, but I'd be lying. Because the reality is all of us have faced things in our lives that make us angry. And I think the word anger is is maybe not even enough in this tense because I've been wronged is what I believe I should say. Every person, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, all of us have been angry in our hearts. All of us have had things that happened to us, whether, whether we believe God did something against us or whether we believe you did something against us, whether we've been hurt, neglected, abused, abandoned, whatever it is, cheated on, left for dead, whatever's happened to any of us. And for some of you, that really has happened. And we look and we go, ah! And listen, whenever Jesus talks about forgiveness, and we've talked about it in here many times, if you're a four-pointer, like, we hear forgiveness and we're like, I'll forgive them because... They've earned my forgiveness. But I can't let this one go. Can't let this one go. 
And he says, listen, if you have anger in your heart and you start using insults and slurs, calling people fools, because I don't know if y'all know this, but once this starts staying around, then I don't just stay angry with that person. I start getting angry with you. You with me? I start getting angry with other people, and it starts bleeding over. I, f- I find it interesting how much I let it bleed over into my home. And so the culture that I wanted to create ends up becoming this mad dad because I didn't get my way. And it starts just becoming crazy. And I start getting mad and frustrated, and the fire of hell starts burning inside of me, even though I'm a follower of Jesus. Ah, what is wrong with this thing? Right? Then it says, so if you're offering a gift, this is crazy talk, y'all. Like, what's Jesus talking about here? This is the church. You're supposed to give your offering. Somebody say amen if you're, no, y'all aren't going to do it. All right. So it says, if you're going to give an offering and, and, and you're bringing the gift to the altar, remember that your brother has something against you. If you're offering your gift at the altar and you're going to bring it down and you're doing your churchy routine, your spiritual thing that you know you're supposed to do because if I sing and I give a little time to God and then I'll go do my thing and then, ooh, I'm even bringing a gift to God. That's awesome, right? He says, leave your gift right sitting in your chair before the altar. Everybody say first. First. That word, y'all, is just annoying in this case because I don't want to go first. If they go first, I'll forgive them. But he said, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come bring your gift. You know what I find interesting? By the way, this is interesting. The word altar means the place that the worshiper and God meet. It's not anything fancy. It's just the place that the worshiper and God meet. This can definitely be that place, but there's nothing special about this warehouse building. But if you want to do an act for God, but you're holding anger in your heart, you're holding people in contempt. You're, you're, you're keeping them in a jail cell because they've done something to you. This is what the Bible says. Leave that gift, leave your religiousness, and go make it right. I feel strongly enough to say this. I hope none of y'all leave because it would be awkward for me and y'all. But I feel this strongly. I'd be cool if y'all got up right now and made it right. Because I'm here to tell you that this church isn't going to set you free. If you need this church to set you free... I want this to be a place where people find healing and hope in Jesus. But I can't do it for you. And a lot of y'all have come in here with heaviness in your heart. And you thought to yourself, they need to make this right. This part is the hardest part for me in this whole message. Because every single week I stand in front of you and I love what I do so much. Y'all, I feel like the most blessed person in the whole world. I can't believe I get to do this for a living. There's nothing I love to do more than this. But I'm going to tell you where preaching gets powerful is when the man that's standing on the stage or the woman that's standing on the stage is talking about something that they've walked through, not that they hope to walk in. And this is something that I'm walking in, not I'm through. This is something that's so easy to get relaxed in because we look and say, I've already done that. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, How many times should we forgive? And he said, 70 times seven. In other words, just keep on forgiving. And I just want to say, God, I already forgave that person. Why can't I just be left alone? And then I remember this. When he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they've done when he was hanging on the cross. And then he said, it is finished. He forgave me past, present, and future. So he keeps on forgiving. All he's asking me to do is watch him who did it first and model after the one that already did it. But I don't like it. Because what I want to do is say, yeah, 
Don, I'm not mad at you anymore, so we're good. But I find that in my pit, in my stomach right here, it's not enough. And I just want to rage at the person that did that thing because y'all know that thing in your life. I just want to rage at them and I want to flip tables over and I want to tell them like it is. And I want to offer my gift to God and him be proud of me for what I did. And I want to tell him, I'm preaching, God, aren't you proud of me? But I don't want to go first and be reconciled a lot of times. And he says, come to terms with your accuser while you're going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Someone say prison. Because I think we think this means literal prison, but what this means is the prison that a lot of you have been in for a lot of years. You've got a life sentence of anger prison that is someone that's done something against you, and you can't understand why you can't get out of it, but you fail to realize you put yourself in prison. They did not. And he says, truly, I say to you, you will never. Someone say never. never. That's a big word, y'all. Like in marriage, we teach don't say this word. Don't say never and always because you put an absolute over somebody. So when you say you never get the dishes done, you just messed up because he probably did them sometime. Jesus is saying, no, 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 for real. You ain't ever, never, ever, 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 ever going to get out of this one until you've paid the last penny. And this is what's frustrating about paying the last penny. I can't pay one penny of this debt, better yet, the last penny of this debt. So this is what he's saying. You have to serve a life sentence of a hell that you created for yourself because that hellfire that burns in you will continue to rage and rage. And it's not necessary. It doesn't have to happen. And I can't get out of this hell because I'm not talking about where you spend eternity if you don't know Jesus. I'm talking about life on this earth that we live in. And how do I know this is the culture of our earth? Let me, let me get it more, more personal. How do I know this is the culture of the church? Because we're angry with each other. I went to a conference this week, and it was so good. It was so awesome. And the thing that I loved about it is the man that coaching network I was in this year, his name's Tony Miller. He's the most fatherly pastor that I've ever been around. He just loves people. And I looked at about 1,000 leaders in the room this week, and I was just amazed that pastors from all different churches all different denominations. I mean, we had Baptist background people. We had charismatic background people. We had Presbyterian background people. We had all these different people, and we just had a brotherhood. And that means sisterhood, too, so y'all just stay with me. We had, we had people that just cared about each other, and we weren't worried if this little thing was off or this little thing was different. We just genuinely wanted to reach people for, the, for Jesus Christ. And I thought about church capital C, around the world, and I just thought, that doesn't happen. Because the enemy hates, Satan hates, that I can look at you who's wronged me, or you can look at me that's wronged you. And we can say, I'm not going to hold you in contempt. I'm not going to forgive you because you deserve it. I'm not going to ask you to forgive me because I deserve it. We're willing to forgive because Jesus showed us how to do this. And I want you to see one key word right here. Everybody say reconciled. Like, because this is the key, right? He says, first be reconciled. First be reconciled. And reconciliation isn't, I'm no longer angry with you. 
It said if you had a relationship with this person and it's possible the relationship can be restored. I'm not saying you got to like them immediately because if that was in the cards, I'd be in trouble. Y'all better say something because y'all know I'm telling the truth. If that was in the cards, we'd all be in trouble. But he says, if possible, go be reconciled first before you do all these other things. First, watch this. Do y'all remember the very beginning of this message? Because people are going to think you're weird. When Jesus was up on that mountain, people were looking at him going, what is this dude talking about? He's nuts. Y'all, this wasn't just don't do bad and be good. This was, this is the culture that I'm wanting to bring to this earth. This is who I am. And somebody's got to go first. Somebody's got to be willing to look out and say, I don't care if they think I'm an awesome speaker, an awesome singer, an awesome this and that. It doesn't matter where people think about me. I'm willing to go first. Because in order for reconciliation to happen, we have to look at the one that modeled it for us and say, I'm willing to go first. Somebody say somebody has got to go first. Somebody's got to go first, and I want to show you when we end this message, I want to show you the beautiful picture of how we can go first and how Jesus was the one that actually did it. And I'm going to spit and shout, and we're going to close this one out, so I hope y'all are ready. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Second Corinthians chapter 5. It says, therefore, watch this, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, meaning you've trusted him as Savior, you've put all your hope in him, you said, I can't get out of my own debt, I can't forgive myself, there's no way I can do this, but I, your God, your Lord, I believe you alone can save me. I'm now in Christ Jesus because I've trusted him as Lord. I'm now a new, someone say new. New creation, the old has, is passed away, and behold, the new has come. I'm not what I used to be. And he says, all of this is from God, who through Christ Jesus, what's this word? Huh. So before I have to be a reconciler, I was reconciled. Maybe that's part of the problem is we've got people that are trying to reconcile that haven't been reconciled, that haven't been brought back, haven't been forgiven by the Lord Jesus. Because all of this is possible because it's from God who through Christ, who through Jesus reconciled us to each other? Is that what it says? What's it say? He reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, my goodness. My ministry on this planet is not to be the best preacher, a good preacher. It's not to go first with this microphone and make you think that I'm crazy or awesome. It's to go first in reconciliation because he gave me the ministry once I was reconciled. But it's not for pastors. It's not for people with titles. It's for anybody that is a follower of Jesus. You are the reconciler, everybody. You are. Say, I am. I am. That's what we are. Not because we have to perform to get Jesus to like us, but because he reconciled us and said, now I'm giving you, I'm handing you the baton. Jesus went to heaven. He left his spirit for us so that there were many more of us than one Jesus on this planet. And watch this. That is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. So whenever you beat yourself up trying to be better, trying to be better, trying to be better, or you beat other people up because you don't like how they act or what they've done, we're in counter culture to what Jesus came to do because he decided not to hold my sins against me. 
And then, this is so powerful, y'all. He entrusted me and you with the message of reconciliation. That should be every message. That should be every time we communicate with someone, when we go to the ball game, when we hang out. We don't have to stand on the street corner with a Bible. It should be the way we live our lives and let our words catch up to that. Because the church is full of people that love to talk about it and walk away from it. What the world needs to see is a church that's willing to go first. That's willing to say, we'll forgive each other even if they don't deserve it. We'll be reconcilers to God through our relationships with each other. Because people are going to hurt you. People are going to wrong you. But we got this amazing job that God said, I love this. Therefore, we are, what's this word? Like, think about the word ambassador. Because the United States has ambassadors to foreign countries that on behalf of the United States, on sovereign territory in the U.S. place that, that we have, that they live, they're ambassadors. So when they go talk to the president of that country or the, the people of that country, they are speaking on behalf of America. Listen to what I'm telling you. The Bible says that you speak on behalf of heaven as an ambassador and a reconciler to the planet. I wonder if we're supposed to model what he said and what he did, what the earth is hearing right now, if they think this is what it looks like and this is what it sounds like. This is what I'm to be. This is what it means to be a Christian. I've got to dance a certain way, look a certain way, touch my nose a certain way, and if I do enough, God loves me. No, not at all. I get to do these things because God already did them all. I can never be enough. I'm never going to be free of anger completely until I go to heaven. But I know this. If I fix my eyes on Jesus and remember that God's love for me is greater than anything I struggle with, I'll begin to be a reconciler. I'll begin to be a forgiver. And I'll step into my purpose. Someone say, somebody had to go first. But this is how somebody had to go first. Not Mark. Because if I'm the only one that went first, I'd just be loud noise. But Jesus went first like this. For my sake... Y'all might remember this from Easter. He made him who knew no sin to become sin. He made him be sin who never had sinned before so that I could be righteous standing up upright. Nothing I do lets me stand upright. But somebody had to go first. I'm going to preach the paint off the walls for the next three minutes. Whenever we focus on us and think to ourselves, I can't do that, what we fail to remember is somebody had to go first. Because I'm thinking of like five scriptures in my mind in 1 Thessalonians and Hebrews. The Bible says that he was the firstborn, Jesus, of all creation. He was the first one to actually forgive. Forgiveness was birthed in Mary, not just a Savior. He was first. The one that actually went first is Jesus. And when he stood on a cross, y'all just picture this. When he stood on the cross and he was, being, he was nailed, he was suffering, they couldn't even recognize him. He said these words, and this is nuts. Forgive all of them. They don't know what they're doing. Today, do you know what he says on God's right hand? He's seated and he talks on my behalf. Do you know what he says? Forgive Mark. And I want to beat myself up, literally angry with myself because I know how rotten my heart is. God, I don't like this anymore. I, I'll never be enough. Forgive Mark, he doesn't know what he's doing. But God, I got to do better. I got to do more. Mark, I already went first. Just follow me. This is the beauty about getting to go first now. If somebody already went first then, 
The only thing that I have to do in going first is just follow the real first one. Because Jesus went first. Someone say, Jesus went first. He really did, y'all. He really did forgive first and forgive forever for all time if I'll receive it. My sin is cast as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says. And I want to change the culture, but if I focus on that, I'll keep spinning in this circle and wonder why I keep ending up in the same place. Because we love the teachings of Jesus. We just don't want it to hit right here and begin to walk in the purpose that he created me and you to be. But he went first. And he died to rescue you from death and slavery and hell. Because that hellfire that lives in me is nothing like the hellfire that people have to spend eternity in. But watch this. Most of us are so consumed with how we were wrong that we're not worried about the hell that they're going to go to forever. We're worried about the hell that they put us in in our own minds. And the only reconciliation we want is they need to get right. They need to make this right. And I just think this out loud. What if Jesus had said that to God? What if God had looked at a bunch of rotten people and said, I'm just tired of them. They don't deserve. But God didn't. He demonstrated his love for us and sent Jesus to die for us. So this is the call today. I believe that we can rise up as a church and change an entire nation, y'all. I'm crazy. I believe that this world is waiting on revival, waiting on something new to sweep, waiting on a people to stand up and say, we're going to look at each other, and even when they're wrong, we're going to say, I love you. I love you. I love you. I forgive you. Or, or we'll drop our gifts at the altar and say, I'm not going to do this first. I'm going to go to my brother or my sister. We're going to look at people that think differently than us and act differently than us, and instead of judging them immediately on what they're doing, we're going to listen to them and say, I love you anyway. I'll listen to you. I want you to hear the message of the gospel. Watch this, through the way that I walk, not through my mouth. I'm going to let my mouth back up my walk. I believe with all my heart we can change the whole world. But can I tell you where my ministry is in this room? Because there's a lot of you that love what we say and you love to get charged up. But when you leave, you feel the same way that you came in. And it's because the reconciler has never reconciled you. And before you can help other people and before you can find your hope in Jesus and your ministry, you got to go first and receive faith and trust in Jesus. And I believe there's several of you in this room that need to be honest with yourself. Listen to me and say, I've never really been forgiven. I've never really been forgiven. And today I'm going to choose Jesus. I'm going to choose his sacrifice. I'm going to choose the fact that since he went first and loved me first, I'm going to love him back. I choose to put my faith in Jesus right, right here and right now. Will you bow your heads? Close your eyes. I just believe there's people in this room that need to make that decision right now. And if that's you, I just want you to do something that's really bold. But listen to me. Somebody's got to go first. Somebody's got to be bold enough to say, that's me. I'm going to count to three. And I hope one of you are willing to be the first one to say, I'm ready to make Jesus my Lord and to follow him. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus right now and say, I choose to receive your forgiveness because you died so that I could be free. I'm going to go first. On the count of three, if you'll be the first one to throw your hand up, we will celebrate like crazy with you. I'm going to follow Jesus as my Lord. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over the room. I see your hands. Come on. Keep them up. 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 Keep them up for me. Keep them up. 
Praise the Lord. Here's what I want y'all to know, people that just follow Jesus. I do not believe that a prayer saves you. I believe that you sang these words. Jesus, you are Lord. I'm a sinner, but you, you died for my sin and became sin, and I choose to follow you. I believe that is what saves you, confessing that he's Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So what I would love for you to do is fill the cards out that our volunteers just gave you and go talk to somebody as soon as this service is over. Fill that card out. Be bold enough to say, I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. I'm willing to go first. I'm willing to go first. But I need to ask the whole church this. I don't know how many people that was, but it was several people that just said, I'm going to follow Jesus. But I want to know this. I want to know if there's anybody crazy enough in this room. I'm talking to my Christians that are crazy that would stand to their feet in front of all their peers and say, I've got a gift to bring to the altar today in the offering box. I want to sing to the Lord. But before I do that, I know there's somebody as soon as I leave here that I need to be reconciled with, that I need to make right, that I've wronged or they've wronged me, and I want to look them in the face and say, I love you and I forgive you. Or over time, I want this to take place, and right now, I'm committing to forgive them. I believe there's lots of you. I don't know if anybody will go first, but if it's you, just stand to your feet. Thank you, brother. Thank you all over the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, you see us. Lord, you know that every time I talk about this, I'm convicted. Not because I haven't done enough, but because I just look to you and you've already done it all. So God, I don't pray that I'm powerful or awesome. I just pray that you'll, that you'll empty me out with whatever I came in with and you'll fill me with you. Because you're the hero of this story, not me. God, I love you so much. I want when I sing, God, there's a sound of victory. And the battle cry is, you better run, Satan, because we already know the end. And not, I hope I can get through this. I'm so glad that you call me son and that I can call you Lord. And God, I will stand on my feet and say, I'm willing to go first because you went truly first. So Jesus, we lay this at your feet right now and we worship you, our King and our Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, if you're getting baptized, you leave right now to get changed.